Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Angela Brown is the author of Olivia Strauss is Running Out of Time, a novel, and this is my January book club pick for Zibby's Book Club. I loved this novel, and you will too. Angela's writing has appeared in the New York Times, Real Simple, and other publications. She holds an MFA from Farley Dickinson University. Angela lives in New Jersey with her husband and two young children, where she's currently at work on her second novel. Welcome, Angela. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Olivia Strauss is running out of time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. This is very exciting. This is really kind of the first time I'm talking about Olivia. 
So I'm just thrilled to talk about the book and the story and writing and all that fun stuff. Uh, well, as I was just saying to you, and this is the January book club pick for Zibby's book club. And I'm so excited. I like the the idea of the book when I saw it was like, oh, this is such a good idea. But then I was really drawn in by your voice and your writing. And I just haven't been able to stop thinking about it. And that's like the greatest kind of book, you know, it just makes you think about your own life a little bit differently and live a little bit differently. I mean, that's that's powerful stuff. So anyway. Thank you very much. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. And I'm excited. I'm so thrilled to be for the January book club pick. That's Okay, so let's back up. What is this book about? Okay, so the book is about a woman named Olivia Strauss, who she's really just kind of, in my opinion, an everyday suburban mom. She has what I would call a really great life, right? She has a stable job. She has this wonderful husband in marriage, this adorable son, young son, Tommy, who I had so much fun writing. I just adore (laughs) his character. He's so cute. And on the surface, she really kind of has everything that one should have to be happy. But when the novel opens, she's sort of staring this milestone 40th birthday in the face. And she's feeling really conflicted about it. She feels like there are all these boxes in her life that she probably should have had checked off by now, um, different goals she'd set for herself. And she kept putting them off because she felt like she still had time to do them. But now here she is, she's nearly 40, and she's sort of facing this fact that maybe I am running out of time. Like maybe these windows for these dreams and goals are kind of closing. So as a gag, her best friend, Marion, who is her polar opposite in every imaginable way, decides to take her to this trendy wellness clinic whose founder claims to have created this genetic test that can tell you the exact date of your death. So they go thinking it's just going to be like this fun girlfriend's outing, you know, and when Olivia gets her results, they're not quite the results that she was expecting. So from there, the rest of the novel sort of forces Olivia and hopefully us as readers too, to think about the question, if you found out tomorrow that you had a very short window left to live, but you weren't sick, there was nothing wrong, like you could still get up and live your life, so to speak, every day, what would you change? Would you completely rewrite the script and, you know, just do everything over? Would you realize how good you had it already? Would you kind of find some hybrid in between those two things? And just sort of thinking about what it means to be middle-aged and, and what that means. Is it over? Do we still have time? And all of those things. I feel like we're in need of a serious rebrand of middle age. I mean, it doesn't, I I keep thinking about my grandmother, you know, when I was like a little girl, like, I don't feel like I'm middle-aged at all. Obviously we are, but there needs to be a better name. I joke, I mean, not joking, but you know, in a joking sort of way with people all the time, I'm 41. So my first, my debut will be coming out when I'm 41 and a half I just had my second child not too long ago. Like, Aww. I feel like I'm just getting started in a lot of ways. But like you said, it's funny. I can remember being a kid and, you know, people, you know, that my, my parents or people that they knew when they turned 40, I was like, oh, so old. <laughs> but I don't feel that way at all. I feel, you know, just it's a really good time in life. So, yes. I mean, I remember going to my mom's 40th birthday party and the yeah. dress that I wore. And like, I mean, you know, she was like, you know, 40. I'm 47 now. I'm like, my debut is coming out at 47. Like, you have nothing. <laughs> There's, um, I think 40, we're just getting started, all of us, right? I mean, it's when you're hitting your prime in a lot of ways. Like your kids are usually a little bit older, not yours, I guess, yeah. but you know, you've learned <laughs> He's enough. Getting, He's getting there. <laughs> That's some wisdom. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, 
it's a good, it's a good time. I am team late bloomers, you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's great. Well, speaking of that, let's go back for a second again. And that I want to know like who you are, where, where are you from? How did you get into writing? Like what's your life story? Sure. So uh, I live in New Jersey. I was joking with you before my backyard would make you think we're in Vermont or something, but no, I'm, I'm in New Jersey, not too far outside of the city. I bounced around for, you know, college and things like that, but mostly I've spent most of my life here in New Jersey. I think my story is probably typical of a lot of writers. Like I've just wanted to write my entire life. That has always, always, always been my thing. You know, my mom can vouch for it. You know, when I was a little girl, library trips and the whole thing in high school, I was always the one writing, you know, teenage poetry and the lit journals and all that. It's just always been very much who I am and what I love. I went to school up in Vermont, uh, University of Vermont, and I studied English. After that, I came back to this area. I worked in the city for a short time. That's a big question I've gotten from early readers like, oh, did you live in the city? And because a lot of the setting is there. But no, I just, I worked there for a little bit. And then I realized I did not love what I was doing. And I ran as fast as I could into (laughs) an MFA program, like sprint into an MFA program. And I studied nonfiction writing in my MFA program, which I loved. And I did some freelance stuff here and there with magazines periodically. But really, when I finished my MFA, I never in a million years thought I would end up teaching. I thought I would just go right into writing. And I had this wonderful professor who was like, you know, I think you might think you might be kind of good at working with people and teaching this. I did not see myself that way at all. But I took his advice. And anyway, so I taught for, I guess, like 15 years and had a great experience. And then I wrote, I wrote several books before Olivia that will live in a drawer forever. Right. But then, then I wrote Olivia and now here we are. So it's, oh I'm still wrapping my head around it. <laughs> the ones, but a short one. The ones that are in a drawer, did you try to sell them or you knew they were like starter <laughs> books or what? They, I did try a uh, part of, it's funny, like I'm a big believer now on the other side. And I think I've always probably been, but a big believer in rejection and how important it is in probably any artistic field, but particularly in writing. But a lot of how I got to Olivia was through another book that I wrote that got rejected. So when I had, so I have two kids, I have my daughter Hadley is seven and my son Augie is just shy of one and a half. And when I was on maternity leave with my daughter, I was like, you know, it was the busiest wildest time. But I was also so surprised. There was also a lot of just quiet time, right? Where like she was sleeping on me and, you know, I couldn't get up and do all the things. Like I was just sitting and I thought, well, what if this is a window I have to maybe like tinker around with writing a bit? So anyway, so I started while she was on maternity leave. It took much longer than that. But I I wrote a, a draft for a very different novel, like different voice, different topic, like all the things. And I sent it out into the world And it was funny, like it wasn't immediately rejected. It was the opposite. I was getting all of these responses from agents that were, I love this premise and, you know, send me the first 50, send me the first hundred. And so it was funny. It it almost might've been better if they were just flat out, like, absolutely not. But there was this flicker of hope there. Like, oh man, this might be, this might be the one, right? So anyway, I kept sending it out and sending it out. And ultimately in the end, everyone passed on it. And if I can like keep going, that's kind of how I ended up going. Yes. I want to know the whole, I wanted to know every detail. So yes, yes. So 
So that book ended up getting finally, so this is, so I'm going back to 2019 now, right? That book had been just rejected by everyone. And I think the fact that it was getting, I wasn't just getting form rejections right away, right? Like there was some flicker of hope, like I said, when I finally had those last agents on my spreadsheet that that said no, it was like a little piece of me just died. I was, I was just so defeated. I mean, I really was. And it was because of a lot of things. One, I'd been trying for a long time. There were much worse drafts in a drawer, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> but I'd been trying. And at that point, again, like my daughter was heading off into preschool. So like life was kind of taking on a new shape. We were in a new season. Like we were just getting busier and I was getting old. You know, life just gets hectic. Mm -hmm. And I just was struck by this really real fear. Like I'm not going to have the time to do this again. Like writing a book is, it's a marathon. It's really serious work. It takes so much time and energy and thinking. And I just didn't have, I didn't think I had that space. So I was really defeated. And so that was kind of like happening over here. And then over here, I had, like I said, my daughter as a mom, maybe you can like, I'm sure you can relate to this, right? Like she was heading off into preschool. And I just remember it being this really heartfelt time for me where all of a sudden I just wanted to press the pause button because time was going so fast. And I feel like when you look at time through the scope of your children, it was just like I blinked and she was went from diapers to being in school with her little book bag. And it was just like time is just moving and moving and moving and moving. Right. So all of these things were going on. And then on top of that, because of my age, it was very funny. I was just at this point, and, you know, nothing was wrong or, you know, any of that. But just because of my age, it was the first time in my life. And I'm very fortunate to be able to say that. But where I would go for a doctor's visit and instead of my physician, you know, saying, like, pat on the head, gold star, everything's perfect. See you in a year. I was like, you know, we should see a specialist about this just in case, because you're not that young anymore. And like, it was just that whole year. It felt like all of these things were happening. And all of a sudden this idea for Olivia just sort of came out of them. So that was a very long answer to a rather simple question you posed. But really, I think the rejection of that first novel that will live forever in a drawer is kind of how I ended up here, you know? So I attribute a lot of it to that rejection. So there you go. I mean, honestly, it's it's all part of the process, right? I mean, it doesn't yeah. feel like it at the time, but everything leads up to something else, leads up to something else. And if you don't give up, you'll see it like all goes, you know, it makes sense later, but not yeah. necessarily in the moment when it's Absolutely. very upsetting. <laughs> yes, very, it, it has been very much like looking back, realizing how important all of those things were and just like the timing of everything. And it, yes. and then wait, so to finish that part of it, so yeah, yeah. you did all of that, then you wrote Olivia and then it sold right away. I mean, it was fast and slow, I think, right? Like, so <laughs> I, so I started, I came up with the idea around the end of 2019 and I wrote what ended up being that very first page at the end of 2019. I thought I was like writing a poem or something. And then I was just mm. thinking, I love this voice. I think the story is there, right? So shortly thereafter is when quarantine and, you know, everything happened and my job went remote and I was home. And again, timing, there's no coincidences, right? Uh, as my mother would say. So I wrote it mostly 
during 2020 and into early 2021. And then I kind of did exactly what I think my protagonist would have done. I, I sat on it for a couple of months because I was, I think, I think I just really loved this story and I was so nervous it would get rejected because I just, I loved it so very much. So I waited around for a couple of months and kept telling myself, all right, maybe in a few months I'll send it out. Maybe I should just look at it again and blah, blah, blah. And then in the fall of 2021, I found out I was pregnant with my son and I was just thinking, we are about to get so busy again. We're going to have a newborn again. Oh my gosh. So this one afternoon, I had a very quiet day. I was caught up at work and I said, I'm sending one email. That is it. I'm sending it to the agency that I really want to be at. And and I did. And I thought I will never hear from anyone again. And no joke, like 20 minutes later, I got a response, send it over. And a few weeks later, we we chatted and my agent and I worked on a round of edits for a couple of months. Uh, we got it in before my son was born. <laughs> and then right after he was born, she sent it out. And it was really, I think, I don't know, like just a couple of short weeks. It was, I remember it being very fast all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, this is happening. You, you're, you're writing books now. So. Oh, that's so exciting. I love hearing all of that because it's so inspiring and you just like feel your joy when you then have the book in your hand. So it's very, thanks for sharing the backstory. Absolutely. Well, again, it's, it's a funny thing because I think so much of my own backs. I mean, I think all writers bring, you know, their own lives and pieces of their hearts right to the pages, but there's, there's so much in this that really was kind of a reflection of my own life at the time and stuff. So it's fun to talk about and see how it all came together. So what are your views? If you did find out, if you did get your death date or whatever, (laughs) So I do not know of any tests like this that exists. I don't know (laughs) if I would want to, if it magically does somewhere. I don't think I would. I think the anticipation of it would, I don't know, make me not do anything. I think it would have the opposite effect on me, maybe. So I think probably not. But I think just the idea... It was funny, like writing this book and thinking about a character who's faced with that question, kind of thinking like, I don't ever want to be faced with that question, (laughs) but thinking about what she has to think about by being faced with that question, just thinking about your perspective on life, just changing and just, you know, whether you know a date or not, right? Just the idea of none of us ever do know, like Mm -hmm. who knows what could happen and just trying to find more positivity and gratitude and just taking chances. And I don't know, it took me a while to get to that point. So I kind of like this point in life now and, you know, just, just being more aware of that on the day to day, I think. Yes. I think when you are aware of mortality, whether through writing a whole novel, (laughs) analyzing it or going through loss or illness or whatever it is that gets you there, it changes sort of the, the, it's like the lighting changes. Like there's someone in the yeah. light box back there and you're just, you just have like kind of a different light and to see the world through. So, yeah. But I, I think, by the way, I think I would totally want to know. Would you? Yeah. I like to plan. I would I like to, not, not like trips, trips I plan last minute, but like, I just like <laughs> to know when I'm doing what and be able to say goodbye and prepare the people I love and like get everything in order, you know? Yeah. Because those are some of the things I worry about. It's like I won't have time to 
do all these things I need to do at the very end because it's going to be so instantaneous. Maybe, who knows? So anyway, not good, but. <laughs> Question to think about, right? No test, like I said, it exists as of yet, right? So <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from. So you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. <laughs> well, the relationship between Olivia and Mary, Marianne, right? Marianne, yeah. Marianne, Marianne was so well written and Thank just you. like the ups and downs of female friendship. And when you're closer, when you're not closer, when you're resenting the person, when you're cheering for the person, it's like all wrapped up in one. Thank you. And, you know, I won't talk about the ending, but, you know, you just wrote everything just beautifully. Tell me about writing this relationship. Is it modeled on a friend of yours? What was it designed to show? All of that. So it is not modeled after a friend of mine. I do not have <laughs> any friend at all like Marion. Probably the opposite, right? Uh, though I bet she'd be a lot of fun to be friends with. Are you, are you more friends with the wine drinking group down the block? Is that what? Is that where we are here? It's yes. probably more my crew at the, okay. at the soccer moms uh, of the neighborhood, right? You know, it's, it's really, really funny. And I'll tell you a story. When I sat down to write the book, I knew what I wanted to happen with Olivia. I knew what I wanted to happen with the test. And I had like this shadow of an idea of a friend, but I wasn't, when I sat down, 
entirely sure how she was going to play in just yet. And I remember when I wrote the early pages, the, the first like 50 to 100 pages of the book is pretty pure from like how I wrote it uh, originally, first draft. But there was like the first descriptive scene I wrote with Marion and it tells a little bit about like how they first met and like just this night. And I just visualized her and all of a sudden she just came so alive to me. And I was like, I have to play around with this character. I love this character. And I'm just a few pages in, but no, so she's not modeled after anyone, but I do think I wanted to show this, not just through her, I think through the women in the neighborhood too, just like what female friendship looks like at a certain age, because it just, it changes. It changes with careers. It changes with when you have children, when you choose not to have children, like all of the different things. And just what, what does that friendship still look like? Like, I think between Olivia and Marion, there's a lot of them that uh, hopefully came across on the page. Like they're still old college buddies, right? Like you can see parts of their girlhood kind of in their friendship, but then they've made really different choices in life. They have incredibly different lives. And so like, what does that do when one woman is, you know, this super cool, eccentric city dweller and the other is, you know, just like the soccer mom, so to speak. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to play around with that notion a bit. I feel like it's the grass is always greener train of Yeah. Right. What if my life, you know, like the sliding doors. What if my life had gone that way? What if I hadn't done this? What if I hadn't done that? Like these two exactly. very different, very different lives. Exactly. exactly. And you also wrote so in, in such a realistic and endearing way about marriage and what it's like being married with small children. And <laughs> it was very, you know, it was like, good. Thank you. Here you go. Right. Like a lot of some more literary depictions are not like in it, right? You are in it yep. in this book. So that was refreshing to, to read. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I wanted to create, I mean, so I should say my husband is, the good parts of Andy are my husband. My husband's a wonderful spouse and father and friend and like all of the things, but he's not a literary guy. Like they're nothing alike. But I wanted so much to create a marriage that did kind of feel real, or at least what to me feels real. And so we have this, this running joke in our house for years where my husband will often ask me, you know, he'll like hop into our room and I'll be sitting there reading a book at night. Oh, what are you reading about? And then he'll say, let me guess. It's about a woman who realizes she's totally unsatisfied with her life. So she gets up and leaves and like runs off somewhere or something. And often my answer would be like, well, I mean, it's like a little bit about that, right? You know, and I'm I'm generalizing, obviously, for humor. But a lot of times when we read stories about women sort of on the cusp of something, you know, there's that desire to flee, right? And that's great. I love these books so much. I have all of them. But I really wanted to create a story that felt more authentic to my own life. Like I've never had that desire to flee. I love my marriage. It's it's the best. Uh, I love my home. I love being a mother. My kids are, you know, the center of everything to me in a, in a very positive way. Uh, they inspire me. And so anyway, so I'm, I'm getting off a bit, but I, I wanted to write about Well, what does that look like for that woman? The one who does have a good life and doesn't want to leave it, 
but where's the room for her to still kind of like change and evolve while maintaining that life? So yeah, the marriage part was important to me to capture it like real and not too perfect, but not too flawed. Just, you know, like we're eating spaghetti on the couch tonight. Like that's just what we're doing. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. <laughs> How did you meet your husband? So this is a very funny story. My husband and I are childhood friends. We met on our very, very first day, very first period of high school in the back of our English class. Oh my gosh, look at that. It was very funny. And we were just, you know, friendly in that way that, you know, most people who are in the same grade in high school are friends. And then later in our, I guess, like mid-20s, we randomly ran into each other. And that was kind of it, as they say, right? Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah. The book's about women fleeing. And by the way, my husband always makes fun of me because he's like, <laughs> you, I always read books about people who have just lost their husbands, right? Like, you know, about widowhood or whatever. And then finally, I was reading a book literally called Future Widow. And he's like, okay, do you have, do I, is there anything I should know here? You know, what are some of the ones that, you know, women on the brink, like, are there a couple that you're like, this is like the epitome of book that I, you know, the genre that I like or whatever. Oh gosh. So many, I'm going to blank out on all of them. I think like he definitely always jokes with me about like, he calls every book I'm reading, eat, pray, love, like just, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> always, that's always like the go-to. I don't know. I mean, there are just, I was talking with somebody about this the other day and they were like, this must be a really exciting time to be publishing a book because there are just so many amazing new works of women's literature that are out there. Jeez. I don't know if I have like a, a perfect answer. I just, um, I'm reading Amazing Grace Adams right now, which mm. I feel like will probably fall into that category. Yep. I just, I love, love, love her voice. I'd probably be like my go-to right now, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And are you writing something else at this point or just enjoying this ride or? So I just, on Thursday, submitted my second book. Oh, uh, wow. editor. So <laughs> I'm not, she may not even have read it yet by this point. It is just like days old. Uh, so yeah, so I, I just submitted that. So I'll be able to share details about that soon. So that was really exciting. I went from finishing Olivia to starting a new book. It's kind of, I don't know. I feel like I hit the jackpot sometimes. <laughs> like it's just, I went from no books to now two and it's, it's very, very exciting. So now I'm just taking some time to think about, all right, well, what comes next? Like, what kind of thing do you want to do? And I don't know. It's, it's a good problem to have, right? Yes. <laughs> a very good problem to have. So yeah. What advice do you have for aspiring authors? Oh, geez. So I guess the main ticket would be something that was really, really of value to me is setting a deadline for yourself, right? Because if you are going to write professionally, you're going to have deadlines. So why not get used to them now, right? But setting some kind of deadline that works around your own life and whatever, you know, whatever that might be, and then sort of trying to chip away at it little by little each day. I think the idea of writing a book is so daunting. And it just, when you're, when you write that first sentence, the idea of ever possibly arriving at the last sentence just feels so overwhelming, right? So I think if you can set a deadline and say, you know, by next summer, and then just sort of like backwards plan. And, you know, every day I'm going to write 500 words or 200 words. It doesn't have to be a big goal, but just 
to, to, to make it something that's of value to you in your day, not something that you keep putting off because you got too busy. So just having like a small goal and, and trying to commit to it, you know, that was, that was the main thing with me when I wrote Olivia was once I set out to do it, I was like, you are going to write every single solitary day until it's done. And that could be one sentence that could be one page. That could be one chapter because some days are really busy and some days are not. So I think that's really valuable. And then the other thing I would probably say goes back to kind of where we started with rejection. And I actually wrote about this briefly in my acknowledgement section. It was advice that was given to me. So I feel like I have to pay it forward and pass it on to by an old MFA professor who said, early on, get a folder for yourself and every single rejection you get, save it. And you know, the urge is going to be like tear them up and throw them away or something, but save them. Because if you keep compiling rejections, what that means is not only that you're getting rejected, but that you're continuing to work at this and that it still does mean something because you're putting the time and the effort and the thought into it. And eventually, if you're doing that one day, it's not going to be a rejection that you receive. It's going to be an acceptance. And you'll want to sit down and look back at that paper trail of, you know, that proof of how hard and how long you've you've worked at this. And that I did do that when when I sold the book. I sat down with a nice cup of coffee and read through my rejections. And I was so happy that I had them when I did. Oh, I kept my rejections from the first novel I tried to sell in like 2005 or something crazy. And the other day I, I like sat down on the floor and read them out loud. And I think I put the video on YouTube or something. And I was just like, <laughs> look at, let me just read you these rejections here. You know, yes. it's true. They are so important. They feel terrible at the time, but the time does come when they, they take on good value. Yeah, true. Yeah. Angela, I'm so excited for you. I feel like we barely scratched the surface of the book. I'm sorry. I was so curious about you as a person. I know, I I'm delighted. Book and I don't want to give things away, but it's very innovative and thought provoking. And, you know, it's very visual. I feel like I could see the spa in what, Tribeca or no, Brooklyn somewhere. Like I could just see that, like in just, you know, I could just see the scenes and the house and, you know, all of it, the, where Marion lived. And it's just like, you created all these scenes in my head, which now I look at this and then they all come <laughs> fluttering back. It's like magic the way books are. So, um, Thank you yeah. so, so much. I really appreciate that a ton. Oh, well, you know, if there's anything you need, not that I'm much further down this path than you, any questions about launching anything, let me know. And yeah, I hope to meet you soon. I know I'll see you in January. I'll right? see you in January. Yeah. And good luck to you with your novel. You're March, I think, right? Yes. Really yes. I've got a ways. Got a ways. How, to how are you feeling? Feeling excited or? I'm feeling excited. Yeah. yeah. After yeah. the memoir, I'm like, whatever. You know, like I spilled <laughs> my guts to the world. I was so, you know, now I'm just like, okay, this is fun. This is now fun. So you, know, you don't like I it. I love the premise. I can't, again, as a writer and somebody who just turned in another draft yeah. the premise is, is great. I can't wait. I'm like living it now because I can't figure out what to write this time. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like literally living what this situation I created. But um, <laughs> anyway, well, I'll, I can send it to you if you ever want to read it. So. Oh, sure. I would be delighted to. I would love to. Anyway. Okay. Congratulations. And Thank I, will, you. I will see you soon. I wish you all the best with this book. I'm so glad we had the chance to connect. Thanks a ton for your time. Thank you. I'll meet you at first time in January. Okay. Bye, Thanks, okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.